Hello everyone, welcome back to Futurist, your one-stop shop for science, history, politics, and all things related to the world of tomorrow. Today we're going to be analyzing the recent midterm primaries for the Republican Party and discussing the party's future. So, first off, we had the uh, Georgia primaries before the midterms, if you want to start off by that. Yeah, so in Georgia we had multiple competitive primaries on the Republican side including the gubernatorial or governor primary, which incumbent Brian Kemp defeated Trump-endorsed challenger David Perdue, as well as the attorney general primary, which Trump's endorsed candidate also lost, and also the secretary of state primary. It's especially important because the Georgia secretary of state controls election laws, and Trump's endorsed candidate lost even there to very controversial incumbent Brad Raffensperger. Yeah, uh, some interesting stats about those elections were Brian Kemp winning by more than 50%, and Brad Raffensperger Raffensperger winning 52 to 34%. And uh, it's important to note that Georgia does have open primaries, so crossover votes from the Democratic Party could have helped these candidates. But like a uh, landslide victory by Brian Kemp, who Mike Pence uh, campaigned for, does kind of tell that uh, maybe the election fraud stuff that uh, former President Trump is talking about is not the most important to the voters. Yeah, and Brian Kemp was generally expected to win, like most polls showed him winning, but Brad Affensperger was generally expected to lose, as he's very unpopular with a lot of the Republican Party. A lot of people actually blamed him for Trump losing in Georgia in 2020, but he was able to win by a substantial amount and even avoided a runoff, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, uh, in the other Georgia primary for Senate, Herschel Walker won pretty easily. It was expected, so nothing special there. And uh, also, another notable fact is obviously Mike Pence campaigning for Brian Kemp, which shows the split between the former president and the vice president. He did have a pretty good relationship when they were in office, but now, uh, since January 6th, they've kind of split. Yeah, Pence is clearly trying to distance himself from Trump for one reason or another. And it's possible that this is because Pence plans to run against Trump in 2024. Yeah, and uh, let's talk about Nebraska now. That was also an interesting primary. Charles Herbster, uh, who was the Trump-endorsed candidate, lost to the governor-endorsed Jim Pillen. Yeah, so Charles Herbster is a very, like, uh, hard right, uh, very late uh, candidate. I think he ran one of the agricultural committees in Nebraska, and uh, but his loss was largely like to sexual allegations against him. So I don't know if he can get take as much from this primary as he can from Georgia. Yeah, the outside factors did really help, so it's hard to evaluate Trump's influence based on that primary alone. The other important primaries, uh, one was the Ohio Senate race where J.D. Vance was polling third place until Trump endorsed him. And then he started polling better back to first place, and he won 31% of the vote. The other candidates split the vote, 24%, 22%. So the four, the author of the Hillbilly Elegy and the venture capitalist J.D. Vance won that election. One thing we can clearly take from this is that Trump's influence largely depends on the state. Like, he clearly had a lot of influence in Ohio, which makes sense because it's a state that he won by a lot in both 2016 and in 2020. And he remains like very popular, especially with these working class white voters. Yeah. 
much more influenced there than in Georgia or in like Nebraska. Yeah, yeah the int- interesting fact about Ohio is that, uh, like former President Obama actually won that. I don't know if he won it in 2012. I'm pretty sure he did, but I'm definitely sure he won it in t- 2008. And uh, this state has swinged a lot, mainly because of Donald Trump. Like he outperforms uh, polls by a lot in this state. Like I remember for the 2020 election. It was pretty close to the polls, like 0.5%, 1% difference. But then uh, in the actual election, it was a like blowout for a swing state standard, like a 9% point. It's very true. And yeah, I'm pretty sure Obama did actually win in 2012. Uh, I think that Ohio was the state that gave him enough electoral votes. And just like four years later, it's extremely pro-Trump. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those Midwestern states definitely are interesting to watch two like less maybe less important primaries that still had some like national importance were uh mtj majority taylor green winning in georgia despite like a lot of media coverage of her primary but it's expected because because it's a really hard right like district and uh madison cawthorn lost his election by like a small amount but uh uh, that was mostly due to the outside factors and, and like inve- investigative journalism by like some media uh, around him of like his personal life. So yeah, Cawthorn had a ton of scandals and he only lost by a small amount. So yeah, uh, another interesting race that happened recently was in West Virginia where the redistricting caused two current U.S. representatives to run against each other for the new district, uh, like the primary. One of them was Alex Mooney, who was uh, endorsed by Trump. And then the other candidate was David McKinley, who was one of the 13 people who voted for Build Back Better. Yeah, and uh, I think the example of how Trump's influence is probably greatest in the Midwest region because West Virginia is another state which voted for Trump by an extreme amount. I think by like 30 points in 2020. Yeah, and uh, Alex Mooney was a pretty, uh, like, pretty hard right candidate too. So, uh, yeah. but in West Virginia, it was kind of expected, but it still shows that he, Trump still has influence over the party. Another uh, race to watch was a Texas Attorney General. Ken Paxton, he's been accused of some corruption uh, things like in the state. Like he, I'm pretty sure he's been involved in uh, like some court proce- procedures and proceedings. And but uh, he's also known for filing that uh, post-election uh, like case to Supreme Court uh, that was signed by a lot of other Republicans. Uh, that argued that the election results should be overturned. He won his primary against George P. Bush, if you want to talk more about that. Yeah, the Bush dynasty is, like, incredibly influential in Texas. Uh, like, um, George H. W. Bush, George W. Bush, they both served in, like, leadership positions in Texas. And the fact that George P. Bush lost shows that Trump has pretty much taken over the GOP. And it's really Trump's party now, not Bush's party. Uh, I agree with that. And just generally, in like all the primaries, all the elections, 
just just generally like how the base of the party like t- how, what their opinions are it's definitely not the party of Bush anymore yeah. uh right. in the yeah another interesting fact that we can note from all these primaries is that none of these candidates lost by an insane amount I mean, other than maybe David Perdue in Georgia but uh, all the Trump endorsed candidates got at least 30% of the vote and this shows that at least like a 30 35% of the Trump base it's valid loyal to Donald Trump my personal opinion on that Georgia race is that maybe like it, because Ryan was pretty close to Trump before the election so so like even in 2018 when he was running against Stacey Abrams uh, I think the Republican Party did a pretty good job of like making sure that he represented the Trump like wing of the party, just like that he was a America First candidate, as they call him. So it was like hard to uh, suddenly change how people viewed him. And also, David Perdue has been like involved in some like uh, stock like trading scandals in Congress. Is like he's who's probably seen as more of a corporate like kind of candidate, even though Trump endorsed him just because he didn't, like, reject his election claims. So, I think, uh, like, even though Trump is pretty popular in the party, they do not base everything on a Trump endorsement. They kind of analyze the history of, the voters kind of analyze the history of each candidate, too. That's true. And another thing about David Perdue is, I read that his campaign was extremely, like, lazy. And, like, in the last few weeks of the campaign, he didn't even run, like, TV ads at all. Like, he was very underfunded. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, in in the North Car- Carolina Senate race, uh, the, the former the former governor was beat by Ted uh, Budd, I think. Yeah, Ted Budd, who, who was endorsed by Trump. That's another like evidence of Trump's influence in the party. And uh, we also had Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the former uh, Speaker of the White House under Donald Trump winning the Arkansas governor primary uh, and then yeah and then we also had, in the Alabama race we also had some interesting results we had Katie Brilt, Brilt I think is that the yeah. name yeah Katie Brilt yeah uh, from Alabama she, she was endorsed by a lot of business and corporate like groups and one despite not having the Trump endorsement, but like that race in general did not have any Trump endorsement because Mo Brooks uh, lost his Trump endorsement after like saying we should move on about the election stuff. So, like Trump originally like supported Brooks and even held a rally for him in Alabama, and then he started harshly criticizing Brooks. So it's hard hard to tell like how much Trump's influence like like played there. Yeah, he he has an interesting character. He's kind of un- unpredictable. And uh, you can't really tell what's going to happen with him. Like, Mo Brooks was definitely one of the uh, most Trump-friendly candidates and, like, America First kind of candidates uh, general in general, like, in this whole election cycle. And the fact that he didn't have a Trump endorsement was really interesting. You should also touch on the Pennsylvania races. Okay, let's talk about a government race first. That was probably the most popular primary, like, in uh, news coverage. We had Mehmet Oz the former TV doctor who I know personally from a Turkish Airlines ad uh, he ran against uh, the other candidate if you want to talk about it yeah that was the Senate race actually but yeah was, oh yeah my bad yeah, it was a uh, Mehmet Oz Dr. Oz against David McCormick and McCormick was much more of a Bush Romney type Republican he was supported by people like Ted Cruz 
and Oz was supported by Trump in like the America First wing. But uh, it was an extremely close election, and like Oz will probably win. It's in a recount right now. It, it's likely that Oz will win, but regardless, it was so close that I, I think it's within like a thousand votes in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it was like 0.1 percent of the vote. It was really close. And uh, yeah, do you want to also talk about a governor race in Pennsylvania? Yeah, sure. So the uh, governor's race in Pennsylvania saw like a decisive victory for Doug Mastriano. Mastriano, I think. And uh, he's like a very like right wing guy, and he's extremely into this election denial stuff. He's, uh, I think he like was even there January sixth. I don't think I don't think he went into the Capitol, but he was there at Trump's rally there. And yeah, but he was able to win even despite this stuff, with like fifty almost fifty percent of the vote in Pennsylvania. So it just, it just shows that like Trump is still like extremely extremely influential. And uh, who won the Democratic primary there? Was it was it Fetterman, the former lieutenant governor, or not? Uh, yeah, Fetterman won in the Senate race primary, and then oh. the Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, I think he won in the governor's race Oh, primary. yeah, Josh Shapiro. Yeah, I think I've, I've been mixing that race up uh, too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, races to watch for November, for sure, because they're both going to be very close. Yeah, and then other primaries to watch are probably, like, in Arizona, where uh, Doug Ducey was the governor there. And now I don't I don't think he's running, but uh, his wing of the party is running against the Arizona GOP. Is like pretty much dominated by the Trump wing of the party. So it's interesting to see who wins there. Uh, it, it is a it is a state that's been won by Democrats recently, like since 2018. So yeah, and uh, Nevada has an interesting primary between like tr- uh, Trump's endorsed candidate Adam Laxalt, who is also supported by the establishment. Against like a, a more like outsider candidate. Yeah, and uh, other races talk about one would be Mike Dewine in Ohio. He was the pro-lockdown Republican governor of Ohio. He only got forty-eight percent of the vote in the primary, which is not the majority. But the other candidates split the vote, so he won it. But it's still like definitely not a good good show for him. Yeah. A good question to ask right now is like, will these Trump endorsed candidates like will Trump's effect be positive or negative for the GOP in the general election yeah and uh, actually one last thing to talk about before we go into the like more general discussion yeah. I think would be the I- uh, Idaho governor race between Brad Little and uh, who else was running there Matt yeah uh, the other candidate was pretty extreme. Brad Little was uh, a pro-lockdown candidate, and uh, the Trump endorsed like more extreme candidate lost the election. So in like those uh, like in those like states in the northwest of the U.S., like I- Idaho, uh, Montana, like all the states, yeah. I think the influence of Trump isn't as much as like in the Midwest. Like Ohio kind of place. Yeah. I think the exception to that would be Wyoming because uh, Liz Cheney, who is very anti-Trump, is like widely expected to lose there by a lot. Yeah, uh, she's a she's been an interesting figure in like in the national politics since last year, for sure. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, one. Wanna... Yeah, you could go. Yeah. On. So. I was just gonna talk about uh, how Trump 
also like called out irregularities and stuff in the Pennsylvania government race between the two Republicans. Uh, I think this kind of shows how pr- probably in the future he's going to continue with the election fraud stuff like in any other race that like his candidate is going to lose. He's probably going to claim the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, heading to kind of like a... Especially if there's uh, mail-in ballots. But I think even if mail-in ballots are going to be like reduced, he'll find a way to like find some... <laughs> Like irregularity, as he calls it, in the elections to call out. I think like it'll be interesting to watch if he runs in 2024, and uh, if he's gonna like, or if he or his like supporting candidates are gonna use this uh, tech tactic anymore. Yeah, honestly, it's getting to a point where like Trump is contesting literally any election where his candidate or him does not win. Like I saw that he posted a that even the Georgia election, which he lost by 50 points. Like he's he's saying it was it was because of fraud. Yeah, that's just. I think he he's he's gonna lose more influence if he continues doing this in the party. Yeah, it, it's very like destructive towards his uh, like suburban women, suburban men. I would actually argue that uh, the Georgia Senate races in twenty twenty could have been more close, if not won by Republicans, uh, for for the Senate races, if he didn't have his fraud claims because. Uh, I think it kind of discouraged some of his own voters because they didn't trust the election. That's very true. Yeah, it has a doubly negative effect for him because it discourages independent voters who maybe don't like the corrosion of democracy. And it discourages his own voters too as they likely feel their votes don't matter. Yeah, like in the presidential election, it was pretty close mostly. It was like a 0.5.7 kind of percent. But in the Senate races, it was like 2.5% for like uh, Raphael Warnock. So, yeah. And like, yeah. uh, if you flip each state by one percent, like Trump would have won the election. It'll be close. Yeah. So now we could talk about the more like general direction of the party, just generally, like for the twenty twenty four and twenty twenty two elections. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Like we could talk about Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Trump, uh, any influencer, and we could also talk about uh, how Republicans are most likely gonna flip the house as the like the party that holds the house is usually gonna lose it in the midterm elections and now this time it's like really really close so they're definitely losing it and even the senate they're they're likely to lose it so we could talk about that yeah i think that these primaries show that if trump runs in 2024 almost certainly win the nomination like there's no that's hardly anyone in the party who stands a chance like even DeSantis could maybe get like 40 or like 30% of the vote but like Trump would still win yeah I think he would not run if Trump was going to run because he has a future like Trump this is going to be his last election if he decides to run but uh, DeSantis has a future in the party he's pretty popular with conservatives in all polls that Trump's not included he wins by a large percentage even against like former Vice President Mike Pence even against Donald Trump's children like Trump Jr. Uh, in all those races, like like the, the GOP convention in Florida, he was probably like the most popular person there, other than Trump. Yeah, I would argue that he bites the, uh, the all the baggage that Trump has. He would still probably defeat Biden if the election was at least held today for twenty twenty four. That's an interesting claim. It would be interesting, if, like if we had a uh, like a like a way to actually know that. I think there's been polls on this. 
and uh, it's actually pretty close. I think I think I saw a poll like a couple days ago, where it said if Trump and Biden ran today, what would the election be? And it was forty-five to forty-five percent with ten percent undecided. So that ten percent undecided would like probably go for Trump. See, if I'm being honest. Here's the problem for Biden though. Like he he does, he doesn't have to win by like one point. He really needs at least like three or four points. Like yeah. Any anything lower than that, Trump would probably win the electoral college, even if he loses the popular vote. Yeah, because these polls, like every time, for some reason, Trump in most states, not in all, but in most states, he outperforms the polls. And the undecided vote is usually goes to Trump. Some people call it like the Trump shyness phenomenon thing. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, it that's usually been the result. Like the undecided vote usually goes goes to Trump by like a two to one factor mostly. So these numbers are kind of bad for Biden. I mean, he he is having a tough presidency with like foreign challenges, economic challenges, everything like that. And uh, these factors are going to definitely play into the midterms too. Roe v. Wade. The mat, like the shootings, like so the gun violence in general, uh, immigration, uh, foreign policy, like Ukraine stuff, and, and definitely the most important one's going to be the economy, like inflation, gas prices, stuff like that. Yeah, and as you said on the Senate, I think that uh, like Republicans are very likely to win it because if they can, uh, main, if they can flip Georgia and they maintain Pennsylvania, it's literally all they need. Like. Yeah, they they need one one like uh, to, they need they only need to flip one state. Yeah, I, I read it, something interesting that like if they can get to fifty four seats this, this this election, right? Then uh, next election it's gonna favor the GOP because a bunch of uh, Democratic incumbents in Republican states are up for re-election, and at that point they have a serious chance of getting sixty seats, which is a filibuster proof. Yeah, it would be interesting to see the Supreme Court uh, make up after that. It could be like seven two. You could really be having like a conservative comeback in this country. Yeah. Also, uh, yeah. Uh, I think some like interesting Senate races to watch right now would be the JD Vance versus Tim Ryan race, and also the Pennsylvania race uh, if Oz wins, which he's likely to, against uh, Fetterman. So these are some interesting races to watch. I think those are both aren't bo- those like both seats that Republicans had who are retiring right now. I think it's Pat Toomey and uh, Portman, Rob Portman. Yeah, I think that Ohio they're like most likely going to win, but Pennsylvania could be very close. Pennsylvania is going to be a toss up. Uh, the yeah. like, I think I think Mehmet Oz is kind of is going to have like some. Uh, is going to be like not as uh, susceptible to like your extreme right candidate uh, kind of like attacks because he has had some like liberal, liberal values before and uh, he's like a TV personality he's like seen as mainstream Oz is like, a great candidate because uh, he has support both from like suburban women or and even like city people and he also has the rural base from Trump's endorsement but I think that he could be dragged down by a uh, Doug Mastriano on the ticket. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, you want to say any closing remarks on like the future of the GOP? Uh, I think in the near future, the GOP will still be dominated by Donald Trump. And uh, even though he's like 
even though usually when a president is a one-term president, the party shifts, like as it, as it did with George H.W. Bush. But right now, uh, he's still has the most influence over the party. In the next 10 years, at least, his, uh, his wing of the party is going to be the deciding factor, in my opinion. And these primaries, even though he's had some setbacks, uh, I think in general, he's still done well. For, for, for a one-term president. Like, yeah. that's, a, that's usually not, not how it happens. Like with H.W. Bush, the pool party shifted with like the new, new cringe people coming in. But uh, yeah, do you have any closing remarks? Okay, I fully agree with everything you said. I'd also like to add that uh, we, what we saw in Georgia shows that for Trump voters, even if they may support Trump, they take other factors into account and they don't blindly vote for Trump endorsed candidates. So clearly Trump, even though he has like, even though he is the most powerful voice, most influential voice in the GOP, he does have limits to his power. Yeah. Uh, and uh, lastly, uh, we just want to tell our audience that we'll be making new episodes soon about China, about uh, science stuff, about economics, about history. So please tune in. Uh, please listen to us again. We'll be having some really interesting uh, episode soon and uh yeah just just like look out for that yeah thanks for listening and see you next episode